that night, he had sent his disciples ahead to say, get this room, and they came together in this room, the upper room. They all sat around together as we are together today, and I'm sure they were fellowshipping with one another. They were talking about, you know, it says in the Word that there was more things that Jesus had done that they couldn't be contained in pages of books. So do you think they had something to talk about that night together? The disciples had spent three years with them seeing more than you could possibly even write in books. There was a lot to talk about. And as they were sitting together, Jesus called their attention to him. And and as they were eating, it says in Matthew 26, verse 26, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. Would you all stand with me? Why? I want you to stand in reverence. This isn't just a Christian act. This is an act of reverence that we respect what is, this represents so much that we stand. We stand to pledge our flag. We stand to, say our, uh, to sing uh, our national anthem. But we stand right now before you, God, because of what was said and done here in these scriptures. Because then Jesus, looking at his disciples, said, Take, eat, this is my body. Take and eat. And out of, I'm sure, a a deep respect for their Savior, the disciples did just as we did. They took and they ate because they were commanded to do so. And he took a cup and when he had given them thanks, or when he had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness, for their forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. So in reverence, Lord, we stand before you now, thanking you for being that perfect complete sacrifice so that we may have a life and a life more abundant living in you. So thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for then remembering us and sending the helper, the spirit to be with us now. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would pass your cups to the center aisle, somebody will come by and pick them up for you. So as I shared earlier, we're going to go through a journey today. So there's the Passover event, and it was a celebration that, that the Jewish people of that day would celebrate on a ongoing basis. They still celebrate it today. So they too were coming together to celebrate. They had this Passover. They had this breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. And then they go to the Mount of Olives and Jesus prays. And then as they're 
this, these events are going on. He's arrested. He's taken to the, to before Pilate. He's judged. He's, he's uh, sentenced to death. Then he hangs on the cross and he pays the price of our sin that we'll never know how much it cost. Then he rises again, spends another 40 days with his disciples. And then there's this, you know, I think there's a lot of celebrations that go on in the Jewish culture, because then they have another one, it's called Pentecost. And this Pentecost celebration was a celebration of the first fruits. They'd come together and they would celebrate the fact that there's a harvest, and that we're going to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. And so I'm sure it was a, a fun time, get together and fellowship, hang out, potluck, right? Potluck's good, food, good. Um, but they were also very thankful, so they were happy when they would come together. I've been preaching out of the book of Acts, and, and we'll continue to be in the book of Acts for some time. But today we're going to go into what I would call the, um, one of the most important passages found in Scripture for the New Testament church. Has anybody ever asked you why we, why we call ourselves the New Testament church? I had somebody one time say, you know, I was going to go to your church one time, but it it said the New Testament church, so I thought, maybe you only read the New Testament, so I didn't go. I said, no, 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 that's not, that's not why. Let me tell you today why we're the New Testament church. It's a new covenant, it's a new promise. There was the Old Testament. The Old Testament was about sacrifices of animals. I mean, if you thought about it, think about, for a minute, I don't want you to um, glorify your sin, but think about your sin this week. And then think about all the things that you did wrong, jealousy, anger, I don't know, we won't air out our laundry, but think about all your sins, and then think about each of those, you would have to sacrifice an animal. That would get kind of bloody. Now, I like a good barbecue, but that's a little extreme, I think. So, but that was the Old Testament. Anytime you would sin, you would have to sacrifice something to cover your sin, And after time and time again, God realized that he needed to do something for his people, for his creation, to settle it once and for all, to make a way once and for all. And that was the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Then everything from that point on points back to that moment. You see, our walk as Christians is to point to the moment that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected again. Our life is to be a a witness of that moment in time. In Acts chapter 1, it tells us to go into the world. I'll tell you, it's in verse 8, I believe. He says, but in in Jesus, let me go back up. To verse 6, so we cover the whole passage here. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of that time that Jesus died on the cross for all eternity, for all sins. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. From that point on, everything we do is to point back to that moment in time as a reminder that we are free of sin. Does that mean we don't sin anymore? Oh, I wish that was the case. Because what happens when you sin? Sin sin comes with baggage. You sin, and then guess what comes with that? Well, there's generally consequences, and sometimes the consequences is the shame and guilt that comes with it. Actually, the, the consequence of the sin, sometimes the, the uh, physical consequence of the sin, sometimes is short in duration versus the, the length of time that guilt and shame hangs on to you. Have you ever sinned and then felt disqualified to be the one God created you to be? I, I think of people, and, and even in my own walk, where I, I know that I've been called to do something, I'm walking out that call, and then distraction creeps into my life, and because of distraction, I sin, and then because of that sin, I feel disqualified to fulfill that which I was on a trajectory to do. So I'm, I'm on this path to complete something, and then sin enters my life, and then all of a sudden, I feel like that has become null and void for me in my future. And so then we go into this maintenance mode. I'll just be a disciplined Christian. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll just try to live out my Christian walk in such a way that I can at least still get into heaven. I mean, none of this is biblical, but this is how we think. This is the human condition. But what's interesting is that's not God's design. God's design for us is when he places us on a trajectory, he fully wants to see that come to completion. And he will do everything in his power to help us come through to completion. But he also realizes we need help in this process. As we get into chapter 2 real quick here, I, I just sense there's somebody or more than one person here today that has given up on that which you know God has ordained for you. Earlier during communion, I said he knows you. If you feel disqualified, he knows that. But you were never qualified to begin with. He qualified you at the cross. Let's get into the passage. Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is an awesome, I'm a visual thinker. It helps me remember things. If you can, in your mind's eye, try to picture this scene. They're in together praying. They had been praying now for 10 days. 
And they were really seeking God because they were told to. Jesus said, go and wait. Together, go wait. In unity, of one mind, in one accord, go wait. And so they were doing that. And in that waiting, they were praying. And they knew how to pray because Jesus had taught them how. And then the day came. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were obedient, doing as they were told to do. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. You guys heard any wind lately? I was looking out our window the other day, and we have all these trees out at our house, and and it was like the wind was combing through the trees and taking all the dead out of the trees and casting it on the ground for us to rake up later. But there wasn't any part of those trees left untouched by the wind. I was just so impressed at how God has, and what causes the wind to blow? I'm not a meteorologist. I know there's highs and there's lows and a differential makes this wind blow. But I really know that God causes the wind to blow. And every piece of that tree was impacted by the wind. And then I think of this passage. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, there's times that the wind blows, and if you get on the other side of a barrier, you can protect yourself from the wind. But in this situation, it says the entire house was filled. There was no place within that house they could go and hide from this rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appear. So almost like fire appeared. It was as if fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, so others heard it, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? You'll read in a previous passage, it talks about their, uh, uh, what's that word? Their accent. They had an accent. And so, where did the accent go? And how is it that we hear each of us in in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Eliamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. What does this mean? I think that is the the cry or the question that exists in, especially in charismatic churches today is, what does this mean? 
What is this, this Holy Spirit, or what, what just happened in their case is they heard a rushing mighty wind, and then they saw what appeared to be flames rest on each individual. If I was looking around here today, it would almost be like a blue flame in my mind, or have you ever looked across the hot asphalt and seen vapors rising? I, I, I imagine it was much like that. There was great power being exuded at that moment in time. Here's the rub. There's some that would believe it was only for that day. But I can't find that in Scripture and believe that it's for today as well as that day. And yeah, I'm the box checker, remember? I'm the one that says, if I do A, B, and C, will it get me that? It's not a formula. It's a heart. See, they were obedient because their heart longed to be obedient to Jesus. As we stood earlier for communion, they, we stood out of, out of reverence, out of respect, because, Lord, I am so thankful for you taking away the, the death that was inevitable to me because of my sin. You removed that from me, and I'm so thankful that I honor you for doing that for me. They had so much honor for their Lord that out of obedience they came together and did it in one accord as they were commanded to do. And then God, who always will fulfill his promises, sent the Holy Spirit to inhabit them. We call it baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's, there's the Holy Spirit that leads us to salvation, but then there's this other baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that as a church, we can get together and we can read the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are alive and they're, they're awesome. We, we can talk about how uh, revelation has come to us in Scriptures and how it's changing our lives. We can, we can have different classes and, and different things that go on in the church that help us to grow deeper in our theological knowledge of the Word. But if we're not careful, then what happens is we become a community of smart Christians. And it's good to know. It's good to understand the Scriptures. It's good to let that direct us. As I mentioned last week, when, when we're making decisions, it's good to let scriptures direct our decision making. But when he told us to go into the world and create disciples or make disciples, go and be a witness of what I've done, what he also promised to do was to give us the opportunity to be empowered in order to do that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, I've come to understand even more recently in my studies, is more about being empowered to go than it is to have the Holy Spirit for me. Now, we as Christians, or as charismatic Pentecostal Christians, we will ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we begin to speak in tongues, and that becomes a prayer language, and that's a good thing. But it should not stop and stay in the closet. 
It was given to us as evidence, the tongues is evidence that we are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us, to equip us, to help us go out and be witnesses of the awesomeness that happened at the cross. It's not just here at the altar that people can be healed. It's not just here at the altar that they can be set free. Because I think it's awesome that in Acts chapter 2, we see that as it appeared as, uh, uh, how does it say it, uh, uh, flames of, or like a tongue of flames on each individual. It wasn't one in the room, each individual it sat upon. Which meant that that the capacity for each of them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as individuals existed. It wasn't just for one and not someone else. It was for all that were in the room. Which means that we all can be equipped to go out with the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not our own power. You know, earlier I talked about sometimes we get on a trajectory that we know God is leading us to be this on-fire believer to fulfill a purpose, and then distraction creeps in and it much looks like sin. And when that happens is then we don't tap into that power any longer because we're not worthy, we think. It's stinking thinking. It's something that we don't think we can access this anymore because we sinned. We have to understand that sin, bad. Forgiveness, good. And we can walk in forgiveness so that we can continue to sin. Mercy, no. But you can walk in forgiveness, and more than just forgiveness, you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't, this isn't something to be taken lightly. There was a time, I was 12 years old, and as you know, many of you know, this, this building's been remodeled in the sanctuary. Uh, the stage was at that end of the room, and these were our main front double doors. And, and, and there was a guy here, and, and I don't remember who it was now, but uh, who was it? No, no, it wasn't him. But anyhow, he had an invitation to come up and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, that was one thing I didn't have in my tool belt, and I needed to have that, I felt, so I went forward, and I was. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I can't tell you, at the age of 12, I fully understood what all that meant. Because what happened at that point in my, time, in my life was I was equipped to go and do all that He intended for me to do, nothing holding me back. Later on, probably three or four years later, I was on a mission trip. I've shared this story before. And it was, it was a, a multi-denominational group. Uh, some didn't necessarily, some would be offended if they heard me preach or pray in tongues. And so I didn't because it wasn't to be a distraction. It wasn't supposed to offend. And so being a gentleman, I did not, would not pray and speak in tongues in their presence it did not need to be an issue. We were there to, to spread the gospel, and it was in, it was in the country of Norway. And, and so, but there was a point in time I was given an opportunity to go and just pray alone. They had, they had a sign up, and you'd pick an hour or two hours or three hours, however the time frame was, and you would just pray for the teams that were going out for the day. 
And so I had my alone time. And I, as I was alone, I, I didn't know what to pray. You know, I prayed for safety. I prayed that, that people would be open to hearing the gospel and that as they were invited to come to church that they would come. I prayed that. But when I ran out of words in my mind to pray, I didn't know what more to pray. And then it was like, oh yeah, I could pray in the Spirit. And so as I started to pray in the Spirit and speak in tongues, I can tell you at this 15 years of age, that room was so filled with His presence and it was like a gymnasium. And I felt so free and so lifted up. You know, I would even say that there was times leading up to that moment in time, I kind of doubted what is this Holy Spirit and the speaking of tongues, in, of speaking in tongues piece. I had heard it done, I had seen it done, I had even done it myself. In fact, I thought maybe I had even mimicked it and it wasn't genuine. But at that moment, at that time, in that gymnasium in Norway, it was real. Because it was no longer my mind trying to make up a prayer. It was my soul crying out to God and saying, God, I just want to commune with you. We had communion today, but praying in tongues and and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about being in communion with Him. And in that communion, He empowers us to be able to go out and help those that have need to be a witness of who He is. The purpose of baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to accomplish just another task on your Christendom checklist. It is not to obtain, in a sense, another mark or a star of accomplishment. It is to help us as individuals to further the work of salvation throughout creation. In this community, we are to be witnesses, examples of His saving grace and a demonstration of the power of God in the overcoming of the trials of this life. I don't want to live a Christian life absent of healing. I don't want to live a Christian life absent of freedom. Quite honestly, in today's world, why would I even sign up to be a Christian? If I don't truly know who Christ is, then why would I? If there's nothing really tangible to it. You see, we have something that is so great and so awesome. But it needs to be demonstrated. (laughs) Oh, my heart's just full right now because you ever get to this place where you almost want to burst with almost, it's almost like a frustration, but yet you're not really angry, you just... Something's just got to happen. I don't want to play it anymore. I want to be a part of it. It, it, I don't want to just, I don't want to be a role player. 
I don't, I don't even care if anybody knows my name. I just want to be around as the Spirit messes up a town for itself. The Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. Remember, everything from the point of crucifixion to now points back to the crucifixion. And everything we're doing is to go out and witness the fact that, hey, I know your life is riddled because it has a lot of issues because of sin, but let me give you some good news here. The good news is this, all the things you're struggling with in life, you don't have to anymore. Go tell somebody that today. They'll, they'll be like, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I've said it over the last few weeks, you know, our circumstances don't necessarily change instantaneous, although they can, but God will change us in the midst of those circumstances. And so whatever you're struggling with right now, the good news we have that we need to be witnesses of, that we need to go out and share, is you don't have to struggle with life anymore. Do you know anybody struggling with life? I ask the question knowing we all know somebody. In fact, we might be struggling with life. But we don't have to. The the biggest trial and struggle in America today is that everything is so easily accessed. Media, uh, I mean, we don't lack in this country. So if we need to self-medicate ourselves, it's easily done. If life is hard, well, let me just get through today and then there'll be tomorrow. I mean, people today, there's a lot of people just trying to get to tomorrow. Waiting for something to change. And then there's churches full of Christians that have the opportunity to be fully equipped fully empowered to go out and share the wit and be a witness to be a witness that there is a solution there is an answer to their problems why the holy spirit was sent it's because if jesus was still here it'd be really hard to get time with him Think about it. If Jesus was still here, he, he was fully man. So it would be one man, probably somewhere in Israel. And we would have to somehow travel over there to meet with him. He would probably be a book writer. So we'd be reading a lot of his books. Fortunately, there's YouTube. So maybe there would be a YouTube video of him and we could follow him on YouTube. But YouTube is not like being in his presence. So there would be this hunger to be in his presence, but because he ascended and went to heaven and said, I would send a helper, that now we have access to his presence everywhere. The Holy Spirit is something that we're going to be talking a lot about over the next many months. But this was the first time that baptism in the Holy Spirit happened. At, at Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday is coming up here soon. Last year on Pentecost Sunday, we had a time for people to come and be filled in the Holy Spirit, to be refilled. 
to have a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't have to happen on Pentecost Sunday. It can be any Sunday. Today, I wanted to tell the story of what happened. I want to encourage you that it's real. As I say it, I just know that there's all kinds of doubt that creeps in. Maybe not in this room, I just know it exists. That which we don't understand, we tend to reject. I would, I would challenge you, take a chance. Let him prove himself to you. Submit yourself to him. And be filled in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll touch briefly as, as we're getting near a close is that, so they spoke in tongues. And as they were speaking in tongues, that what was interesting is that, let me help you understand, tongues is for me to communicate to God. It's a personal thing that helps to, um, as I said earlier, it helped me feel right with God. It was my spirit crying out to the Lord. Communication with, it's about communication with God, not with man. That's what speaking in tongues is about. There's, I find myself now at times when I'm driving or um, even before I will go into a meeting or into a place where maybe I'm speaking, it's, I'll spend some time just praying in the Spirit. Because we've heard messages even more recently that, that, and, and John the Baptist cried out, Lord, less of me and more of you. Well, for me to go into a meeting or to speak, then I don't want to be the one speaking. I don't want to be the one represented. I want more of you, Lord. And so even in my prayer, Lord, I'm just going to pray in the Spirit because I want more of you, Lord, less of me. When they were praying in tongues, what were they hearing? They were hearing them crying out to God, telling Him of His wondrous works. And what they were amazed at is that they were praying in, in their language. The tongue that they were praying was one that others could understand, the mighty works of God. I look at this and, and help, uh, hopefully you understand, this is my personal thought. But for me, if I am going to speak so that others will understand the great works of God, I first want to know that he and I are on the same page or that I'm on his page. But as they were praying to God and hearing of the mighty works, they were amazed. They were amazed. I'm done. Because we're at a point now, I, I don't know where you're at in your walk. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And if you have, how are you using it? Are you using it for your own personal edification alone? Are you letting it be the power that helps you to go be witnesses? 
There, is, there are times that we, we get weird sometimes as Christians. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. We're too weird at times. But we'll take our own little Christian walk and our own little gifts of the Spirit, and we kind of say, okay, these are our little gifts of the Spirit, and so I'm going to be over here with them. But that's not what they're meant for. Oh, I heard somebody say the other day that, that a gift's only a gift when it's being given away. What that means is if, if somebody gives you a gift and you hang on to it, it's no longer a gift, right? So these gifts of the Spirit aren't something for you just to hang on to and say, hey, I got, I got another gift of the Spirit, and I got another one, and another one, and I got a long list of gifts of the Spirit here. Aren't I special? No. Gifts of the Spirit are meant to be given away. But that would mean that we would have to be a body of believers that are willing to risk everything. Risk everything. You're in the workplace, and I'm not telling you to go and get fired. But if somebody's got an issue and you need to pray for them and the Lord's directing you to, find a place to do that, empowered with the Holy Spirit. We have to be, there's a church in Esparto, and we know the pastor, and it's called Church on Fire. As I'm thinking, I can't quit thinking about the name of that church. That's, that's what God has called us to be, is to be a church on fire. Little flames above our head as we're running around praying for people and loving on people and caring for people. We, sang, we were singing a song early this morning. You guys sing great by the way, but when we start to really capture what we're singing and realize who we're singing it to, it would change the way we sing it. This evening, we're going to have a, a worship team workshop event, and I, I'll just give you a heads up. It's, it's, we're just going to be looking at how do we get into the Holy of Holies, how do we get in and just worship, true hearts of worship? And, and when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it takes you to a whole other level in your walk. It helps you to go so much deeper because it's this community. You know, have you ever had it like an inside joke with somebody? And, and everybody in else in the room doesn't quite understand what you guys are laughing about, but they're la- you're laughing about something. Well, this isn't a cruel inside joke, but this is like our inside language with God. This is, this is not for you to understand when I'm speaking in tongues. This is for me and him to be one and be in communion together. Not so that I can retreat and just be to myself, but so now I can be, because in this time of communication, my spirit's being lifted up. I'm starting to become whole again. I'm starting to believe that, that that trajectory that I was on, that I felt like I took a misstep and now was off, he's putting me back on that again. So I can start walking in this, in this path that he set before me and start living out a powerful, spirit-filled life. But it really takes us taking time out daily to pray in the Spirit. There's this pastor, it's the largest church, and I think it's in 
Cho is his last name. Where is it at, Dad? Is it in Korea? Largest church in the world. He prays like somewhere around four hours a day. And most of the time it's in the spirit. I heard somebody, I was watching a video last night, and the guy was talking about him, and that's why he's come to mind this morning. He said he went to pick him up at the airport, and as he was picking him up at the airport, the guy got, Cho, Pastor Cho, got in his car, and he just started weeping because Jesus showed up. It was, and, and as he's crying, he said he wasn't a crier, but he couldn't stop crying. He, and he looked, and he said, Pastor Cho, Jesus is here. Pastor Cho says, yeah, I know. Can you imagine if each one of us had such a relationship with Jesus that wherever you went, people just sensed the presence of Jesus? You know what's you know what's cool about that thought? That's what he wants too. He wants us to be able to walk throughout community. The one that you're living in right now. And then just sense Jesus is present. Well, how do we get there? Well, baptism in the Holy Spirit is a huge step in that direction. And then walking in that and and living that out for yourself every day. My heart breaks because there's people not here. But I know if you catch this, they'll be here because they'll want it too. And it's not about filling up the church with people. It's about equipping a church to go out and be the church in a community. Think of the closest relationship you've ever had in your life. Think about how fulfilling that was. And then think about maybe that came with some heartbreak because you were so close and it was so tight that you were one. That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. And he's equipped it through the Holy Spirit to happen. And when we're not that close to him, his heart breaks. That's where you read he's a jealous God. He's this awesome God that even though there's a hundred of us here, he can focus on one of you and you will encompass all his emotions, all his thoughts, all his desire. And he could do it with you and with you and with you and with you and with you. You become what they would say the apple of his eye. But he wants you to draw near to him. Oh, it's going to be awesome. When we all draw so near to Him that we're just constantly praying in the Spirit and going out with the power of the Holy Spirit and touching lives, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. But here's the choice. 
He's a gentleman and he'll let us not do it. But I don't want to not do it. I'm 46 years old, so I figure I'm halfway done. The next 46 years would make me 90-ish something. Okay, 92. So maybe not quite halfway done. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I know for the remaining years, I want to be so busy hearing about the things that the disciples were talking around the communion table about. All the, all the healings and the people being set free. Houses being saved. Whole households being saved. Whole families being saved. We're really good at acting church, but we need to go out and be the church. I, I, woo. Can we get excited about it? And not just excited to be excited, but excited to act. It was the Acts of the Apostles is what the book's called. Some call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I think there needs to be a book written about the Acts of the Church of Woodland. And it needs to be proclaimed throughout the land. (laughs) Could you all stand just because... I want to jump up and down, and if you're standing, maybe I won't. And I appreciate the band still playing. I just, I can tell you my notes today were really kind of, here's why, I didn't really want to teach today. I wanted to share my heart. So you don't believe. Somebody here doesn't believe. And Jesus is like, oh, I want them to believe. You know, he, I said this once before that he doesn't heal so that you can walk around and just feel great. He wants that. But he heals because he wants to be glorified. He wants you to witness how awesome and how real he is. And when he's that real for you, you're going to want to go out and share it. It's time to get out of our spot. It's like this uh, hamster on a wheel. I'm running, Lord. I'm running. I'm running, Lord. I'm not getting anywhere, but I'm running. He wants to get you off the wheel today. I don't know. I keep talking and talking, and I'm trying to just, where do we go from here? (laughs) We have to commit to something. Or commit to nothing. Josh has something. I know he did. I keep looking at him. Commit to something. You will make a commitment today. Period. Either you'll come forward or you'll leave. That'll be your commitment. I'm just going to read something really quick. and it's, it's real quick and easy. This is out of Acts 2, verse 38. 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. No doubt. No doubt. Right? No doubt. See, what Doug is doing here, and what I think God wants to do this morning, is he's going to have a gift-giving service. A gift-giving service. Let me go real quick to uh, Corinthians. I'm pretty charged up too, Doug. I feel what you're talking about here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Can we have one of the elders please come forward? Just anyone. Any, any elder. Actually, that's perfect. Can you stand right here? I just want to lay this out so it's real simple and real easy, okay? And to, So I'm just going to repeat that. And to another, the utterance. I'm sorry. For to one is given through the spirit of the utterance of wisdom, right? And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So can we have someone else come, another elder? The spirit of knowledge. Thank you, Dan. To another, faith by the same spirit. Maybe if someone come, I don't care. It doesn't have to be an elder. Anyone step forward. Anyone that wants to pray for another. Pastor, thank you, Jeff. And to another, gifts of healing. Right here. And to another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. Someone. To another, the ability, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. Someone. See, this is a gift-giving service. Who wants it? We get so wrapped up sometimes in, well, what gift? What gift do I have? What gift has God given me? What gift do you want? It's the same spirit from wisdom to knowledge to healing to the interpretation of tongues to faith. It's the same God. It's the same spirit. These are just the gifts he has for us to go and act and to live in and to change the world. It's the same spirit. 
It's not a different spirit of, of wisdom. It's not a different spirit of faith. It's the same spirit. Which spirit, which gift do you want? Because he already put it inside of you. You know what you want. That's what you fear the most is what you want. But you know he put it inside of you. You know what spirit, you know what gift you want. Then go get it. I remember being a child and praying for wisdom because I heard a pastor saying, Hey, you know what? You guys are young, but you can ask God for wisdom. You can ask him for it. You know how many times in my life I've been sitting down with someone and talking about things that are way beyond my own understanding? It wasn't because I was wise. It's because I was given a gift of wisdom. Because I asked for it because I wanted it. It's not by chance and, well, whatever God gives me, I'll take that one. I really want it. I really want to be able to lay hands on the sick. I want the gift of healing, but maybe that's just for Benny Hinn. But really, I think it's inside of me that I want to be able to change and help people for the glory of God and actually have the gift of healing. But that's one that I don't think I'll stand in that line. If you want it, then ask Him for it. Then receive it. Because all, it says, repent and believe in me and all will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just ask. Repent. Every every week is is a gift-giving service. But I really wanted to spell it out this morning because I really want you to grab one. Grab a gift. Maybe just grab one for the week. Think ahead for a second. What's my week going to look like this next week? What am I going to need this week? God, what am I going to need this week? Am I going to run across someone that is really torn and I'm going to need a gift of knowledge? God, will you give me that gift this week? It's the same spirit. It is time. It is time. For us as believers... And for us as Christians to be bold and to step out of our seat and to receive what God has already given us, already given to us, and to open up the gift and to put it on and to go out and be used by him. It is time.